Welcome back to the DC Threecast. I'm Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are proud members of the Multiversity Podcast Network. Please go to multiversitycomics.com to check out all sorts of comics-related content, podcasts, interviews, news, reviews, whatever you want from comics. Hopefully, we can provide it at multiversitycomics.com. So, we are here with our sixth installment of looking at the Rebirth books. So, um, first up is New Superman. This is written by Gene Yang and illustrated by Victor Bog- Bogdanovich. I always want to say Bogdanovich, like the director, but I think it's Bogdanovich. Um, it involves a brand new character, uh, Keenan Kong, who is the Superman of China. And um, let's just get right into it. Vince, what did you think of the book? Um, I liked it a lot. Um I think it might have been my favorite book of the week, actually. Um, it's, you know, it's 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 hard to introduce a brand new character, um, and immediately make an impression with them. I think these days, um, you know, obviously he this is a he's he's a Chinese character now that this takes place in China. You know, so right there is the hook. But I think apart from that, he had a he has a really interesting characterization. Um, you know, aside from that, like he's kind of a dick. He is. <laughs> but like, I didn't hate it. Like, not like I didn't hate him. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. See, I kind of did. I kind of I kind of hated him. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. I thought it struck a really interesting balance where, like, yeah, he was acting like a total tool, but, like, somehow in the end, I didn't, didn't hate, like, I, like, I want him to succeed, you know? See, I, 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 I don't. That, that was my problem with the book. Yeah. Zach, do you agree? Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't like this book very much. Um, primarily because of the characterization like i was really kind of taken aback at first i was like okay this is where we're going with this and (laughs) and on one hand like especially as we learn more about him i understand what the what yang is trying to do here um but even so like i just i couldn't like this character and, and i i couldn't root for him and and yeah, I don't know. There just it wasn't enough about it that really, really stood out to me. Um, the the like one hook that kind of like grabbed me was like the the like government conspiracy angle and like the stuff with his dad and his like writers group or whatever. I oh, thought I that think was that's so good. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, and I I would like to see where that goes. Um, so I guess you could say that that's the, like the one hook that kind of grabbed onto me. But yeah, I really don't like this character, and I I'm all for, um, you know, having protagonists that don't fit like a, a traditional mold or whatever. Um, but I just I just didn't like him, and I don't really want to ever like him if that makes <laughs> sense like i don't want to continue reading to the point that i do like him <laughs> yeah and see you mentioned the government plot being something you liked that felt so tired to me too 
Yeah. I, I feel like there's been so many books lately where you've seen, and I, of course now I can't think of a single example to back up my point, <laughs> but I feel like I've seen a lot lately of like the government trying to replicate what superheroes do. And I, this just felt like more of the same with that. This book was my biggest disappointment of the week, hands down. Um, I still liked it better than one of the other books that we read, but I had, I was expecting to love this book. Yeah. And I thought that the script was, was made, made Keenan very unlikable. I found, I found his father, I found the fact that his father writes to be interesting, but everything else about his father to be incredibly wrote, like the, the father that's hard on his son that has to like, is sick of fighting his battles for him. It just felt very rote and very boring to me. And I got the end of this book. I'm like, huh, I don't know if I'm going to keep reading this book. Yeah. That's interesting. We we don't disagree on this podcast very much, but yeah, but here goes. Cause I like, like I read this and, and yeah. Okay. The government stuff about, um, you know, creating superheroes or whatever. Yes. That, that part is tight. That's a trope that's done to death, but there's like, there's like a clear political undercurrent to this book um, that's going on because it's set in China. I mean, so much of it is informed by that, that I find that really interesting. You know, like I, I really do feel like I'm reading um, a book that's set in another country, in the country that it's supposed to be in, you know? Okay. And I, yeah, I speaking see- of that, uh-huh. Oh, go you go ahead. Finish your oh, thought. I was just I was just gonna say, like I felt I felt the political undercurrent to it. I felt the economic divide. I felt like the reasons for characters being dicks and like the reasons for their actions. I I can I can go with you on. It was maybe dialed up to eleven a little bit more than it should have been. You know. But I feel like there there are clear reasons that they're laying the groundwork for with some what what I think is really strong character work and world building um, you know that informs why these characters are behaving the way that they are um, and I felt like it laid that groundwork in a little more subtle way than than most books do and Even see, if, I felt like I was being hit with a sledgehammer this whole book, okay. Zach, you were going to say something earlier. Yeah, I was just going to say I liked the the um, the like attention to detail where um, words that would like the the book is written with the, the pretense that everything that they're all speaking in Mandarin, but we're seeing it in English. But mm-hmm. words that would actually be said in English are blue, and then right. that little editor's note denoting that. Like I thought that was a nice attention to detail, kind of like going into what you were saying about this does feel like you know, a book set in another country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I like that too. And I like their costumes and um costumes are great. Yeah, you know, ten out of ten That's for ten. that. 10 costumes, yep. yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh, every week we're getting one of those in. Yep, we're gonna do that. If someone figures it out. Um, uh, uh what was what was I saying? Oh yeah. So I mean I, yeah, this book is not without its weaknesses, but it's not like, like I didn't see it like as Green Arrow, where they're like, ham. I mean, you, you're saying you're hitting, getting hit with a sledgehammer, Brian. That okay, that's fine. That's that's your experience. What do you usually say? Uh, you're you're entitled to your bad opinion. Is yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that you, yeah. <laughs> your wrong opinion. 
wrong opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, um, let, let me let me elaborate on that for a second. Sure. I just feel like every character in this book is exactly the trope of that character. Like, the fat kid that gets picked on is... There's nothing else about him except that he's the fat rich kid that gets picked on. Like, everyone is just so one-dimensional. The only character who's slightly not one-dimensional is Kenan's father. And that's only because he mentions going to a writer's group. Like, in his actions, he is totally one-dimensional. The government operative, totally one-dimensional. Um, it's just, it... um. I guess the other part of this, and, and this is me bringing expectation to the book nobody put there but myself is like i when, when there's a new superhero being introduced i like to see this as a new like somebody who is worthy and inspirational and i look forward to being taken by the character right like um like i'm thinking you know again me showing my bias here but like I think of Kyle Rayner and how that was a character who was very unlike the other Green Lanterns. But when you read him, you're instantly rooting for him to figure it out. Jack Knight, kind of again, like Jack Knight's not the nicest character in comics, but you see something in him that you're instantly rooting for. I, I and I just couldn't root for this character. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like like I said, like even when you find out why he he's kind of a dick, it's like, yeah, I still don't like you. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to say anyone want to say anything about the art? Oh yeah, I suppose we should. Um, I I liked it. I'm a fan of of Victor Bogdanovic. Um, going back to he did like an image book and, um not that long ago and i forget the name of it um but uh but i i like his style um it reminds me of uh ryan otley you know Mm -hmm. on like invincible i could i can see this as like a parallel to invincible almost more than (laughs) superman at this point but uh but i i yeah i really like his character work yeah i i think he does a nice job with it um, I'm I'm interested to see what he does when so much of the action isn't taking place, like in a laboratory or just people kind of talking in a in rooms. You know, I'm interested to see because I don't think if his work is particularly bombastic. So I'm interested to see what he does when he has to deal with the bombast. I look forward to that part of it. Yeah, Zach, anything about the art? Um. I I don't know. I it was it was fine for me. I wasn't like particularly blown away or or turned away. I was just kind of I thought it was serviceable. That's fair. That's very fair. All right. So, uh you guys have the question I'm about to ask, pull pirate or pulp? <laughs> uh I presume that Vince is going to pull I'll pull. I mean, it's not it's not a, a, a long and hard pull like uh, like Aquaman last week, like Aqu- <laughs> like Aquaman or Superman has been, you uh-huh. know. But it's it's a pull. I feel comfortable. I'm excited to see where this goes. You know, I I admit 
that the character's a dick, but like, I think it feeds back. I I know the like reluctant hero, dick, you know, made good uh, story's been told a million times, but I feel like it feeds back into this interesting political thing that that I'm hoping it, it sort of informs the book going forward. So, okay, Zach. Ah. Uh... I don't know. I I almost just want to say Paul because I just it, like it was fine, but I have no real interest moving forward. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and 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 say Paul. And I'm going to say pirate because I I still think that it's an interesting concept, and I, I trust the creators to do better than this. But if it's another issue of this quality, I'll be pulping it too. Um, all right, we're going to dive now into Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, Rebirth number one, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Ethan Van Skyver. And, um, the, uh, so, how can I say this? <laughs> there was one, like, Old Man Sinestro in the beginning was kind of interesting, I don't know why he's an old man now. I didn't. I did not. He's just so tired. I I, I dropped off all the Lantern books about six months or a year ago. Um, so that part, I was like, huh, why is Sinestro old? And I don't he, think that's been in any of the books, has it? I don't that's think not, so. I think that's a, a new thing. Yeah. And then that was the last time I perked up at all in this book. I found this book incredibly boring. So, you know, so much Hal Jordan not... like There are reasons why Hal Jordan can be an interesting character, none of which are on display here. You know, um, we've seen so much better than this. Ethan Van Skyver is like a noted Green Lantern artist. This is not his best work. And this book... Man, this book. nothing. Talk about a book where nothing happens. Nothing happens in this book. I don't know why anybody, based on just reading this book, would pick up issue number one in two weeks. Yeah, I. Uh, to me, it's like if if you if you didn't read any Lantern books in the last three years, here's an extremely dry and boring explanation of sort of what's going on with every character or where we are. And then it, it, the thing that I hated about this issue, okay, is that it it goes nowhere and it wastes so much time. Like, even doing less than that, like it, it it's less than a recap because yeah. look at the first first page, it's an image of the sun or something and some space rocks and then an explosion. It's the reminder of like the Brian Michael Bendis event comics that all start with a two-page spread of like an exploded city or something like right off the bat you're wasting two pages you know there's there's nothing about this page and then the next page is the sinestro planet or whatever that is just a big shot of that and a bunch of explosions and like you're not telling me anything you're not telling me a story here you know i i hate when comics spend their first two pages showing you a bunch of space rocks. Okay, that's a very specific complaint, but you get my 
drift, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, that is such a waste. Like, what's the difference if you show that or if you start on Sinestro, like, and, and Lissa there talking to one another, you know? Then it repeats the, basically the same thing to introduce Hal. It's a shot of space. There's an explosion of green light. Oh, it's Hal Jordan, you know? But they took an entire page to waste on space rocks you know and then uh let's see towards the end hal putting on his new ring takes one two three pages of him to say the oath which how many times over the last well since jeff john started jeff john started writing hal jordan how many times have they taken like two to three pages to just get through the lantern oath as if it's some like, you know, that is a moment that you earn. Yes. Like at the end of a long arc where like the heroes are down on their luck and then like out of the darkness comes green lanterns light and there's the oath, you know, that is so overused at this point to the point of wasting so many pages on it. You're, you're not getting anything here. I hated this issue. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing great here. Zach, are you in agreement or are you uh are no, you back yeah, on the lantern I've, train? I've I've been real quiet because I actually really liked this issue. Oh no. Um so t- on two fronts. We should say just real quickly that in full disclosure, Zach is very sick, so take everything he says with <laughs> yeah. a grain of salt. No, I know no, I like this issue. So like on one hand, you had mentioned that this wasn't the best Van Skyver art. I would argue that this is probably like the closest to like Green Lantern Rebirth, like original Green Lantern Rebirth and Skyver that we've probably gotten in, in like several years. Okay. Like not all the pages look great. Go to the last page, Zach. I did look at the last page. That looks exactly like Green Lantern Rebirth. Okay, to me. like look how big his exactly torso like is. That, that's, 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 I feel like that's always been like that. He is though. underarm like, pregnant. There is a baby think, growing in his but, armpit. But that's like I. That's what Green Lantern Rebirth looked like too. Like He's, it wasn't that Zach far is, off. I think Zach is kind of right here. Like it doesn't mean think, you have to like it. But yeah, think, it doesn't mean you have to like it. But I think like I think this is like as far as Van Skyver art goes, this is some of the best. Now there are some pages like I don't know any page that has more than one person on it. Except for maybe like the Sinestro pages, I look pretty lousy. Like, I, I don't know what I think. It's like he just gets tired of drawing multiple characters, which is something I've really like noticed recently. Like in Convergence, I noticed it a lot. There's like the big, this is kind of going off topic, but like the end of Convergence, the big two page spread that's supposed to be like the big wow moment looks like really like lacking in detail. And I get a lot of that in here too. But like, Moments like that last page, like, I mean, it's, yeah, the anatomy's not great, but it's, like, that's, to me, I think that's, like, pretty spot-on Van Skyver. Um, so, I, I don't know, like, in, it, in, on that scale, I, I thought the art was actually, like, pretty good for, for you know, for what you're getting. Um, and then as far as like the story goes, yeah, I, I can see, like, I, I guess I didn't really think about it in terms of like wasting time because it is, I mean, it is one of the rebirth issues and I feel like that's been like a running thing with 
a lot of the rebirth issues, although not all of them, as we will talk about later. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, uh, I, it's no, I, I guess it technically is not like a good comic, <laughs> but it hit on just like a lot of those Green Lantern tropes that I really like, I guess, you know, like it, it hit a lot. It pushed a lot of the buttons needed to make me go like, oh, OK, I, I kind of like this, like like dumb stuff like getting to see like ganthet and sade for the you know i don't remember the last time we saw them or like you know i wasn't expecting kyle to show up and you know i just like i really like kyle i thought that was young cyclops from the uh bendis is all new x-men stop it (laughs) he looks just like he's looked for the past four years and his costume is it's still stupid and Brands. one time I got in trouble for saying that his costume looked stupid with a <laughs> certain comic creator. I won't oh, say no. who. Oh, no. Oh, no. Zero out of ten costumes are bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, I don't... I mean, I liked this issue because I think it... Uh, I think it did a good job of making me as a fan of Green Lantern comics excited for this book, which I like, I liked some of Venditti's run. I pretty like, I really, I liked the first arc and then I thought the following arcs were a little middling. And then I really liked the new gods arc and then the DCU stuff with the trench coat and the long hair, I I didn't read that. Um, and so I didn't really have high expectations for this, but this hit a lot of the beats. As a rebirth issue, I thought it did. I, I thought it did an okay job. Okay, it I, wasn't my least favorite issue of the week. I'll say that. Okay. I, I'm not trying to, to pick on you here. I'm asking you legitimately to, to inform me of something. Yeah. You know, we talk about these rebirth books sometimes as the way to catch up somebody who hasn't read Green Lantern in a long time. Uh huh. But from you and me, you know, Vince has a Green Lantern tattoo, right? The, the three of us are about as big of Green Lantern fans as you can get. What is it about what this book promises that gives you hope for a good story? Because from my perspective, this is going to be more focused on Hal trying to be like the leader. I don't like Hal when he's the leader of the Green Lantern Corps. I like him when he's like the spiritual head of it. Like when the when he's butting heads. Well, with the I Guardians think that's what that, this is. He's, he's like not the leader now. Like he, there is Green he, Lantern Corps. Yeah, because he has to rebuild it and lead it. <laughs> like, well, it's just, no, he has to like find them. I I don't know. Like I. I don't think we have like enough information to go on. I see. I I do kind of see it like he is like the spiritual head of it now, in that like he is it. Like he's the only. He's basically like Kyle Rayner in the '90s at this point. You know that makes me excited to hear those words. Don't be. Don't don't make me sad when I have to think about Rob Venditti writing. Well, that. Uh, that so I mean, I, that's how I take it. And then also just like I really, even though we've like seen it 
countless number of times under like John's run. I I do really like the like Hal Sinestro dynamic, and I'm interested to see like what's going on with Sinestro. Like, why is he an old man now? Um, I don't know. Like, do I expect this to be the greatest thing ever? Not by a long shot. Do I expect to be pulling it three months from now? No, but. I enjoyed this one issue for what it was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess, okay. If 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 this is you coming back to Green Lantern, and I know it's not exactly for any of us, you know, we haven't, if we stopped reading Venditti's run, it wasn't, you know, we weren't gone for very long. We, we, were, we were gone for less time than the average reader, you know? Right, yeah, yeah like I've been out for a, a year tops, you yeah, know? Yeah. So if you're coming back to this, I, I can see like, oh, oh, the the Lantern Oath. I'm excited about this again, you know. But for somebody who's who's read Green, 95% of the Lantern books released since Jeff Johns started writing uh, Hal Jordan again, so much of this is just the same over and over again. Yeah. That's no, my I, big it, problem. It is. I mean, it is. And, you know, like... I guess it just depends on where you come in. Like, we're in this state of, like, Green Lantern is, like, the, you know, like, the slum of the DC universe at this point. You know, it's, like, it's, like, the part of town you don't really want to go to. <laughs> Which, and I if don't you think say- about just five years ago or six years ago, it was the p- pinnacle. Yeah. Yes. And it's, like, you know... If I'm going to compare this book to Green Lanterns, I I enjoyed this book more than Green Lanterns. I think. Ah, see, I'm glad you brought up Green Lanterns because as as many problems as I'm having with that book, and I know I said pulp last week, I I am I am at, it is at least filling fulfilling my thirst for a lantern title that isn't just. Uh, a puke of rainbow colors in space. You're right. It's, around, it's, 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 a, it's a puke of it's puke blood puke though. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's only blood yeah, puke. You're, you're, you're getting right one color of puke in that one, yeah. and it. God damn. And you're on, right. honestly, that's my biggest problem with that. Like, and and a lot of it is just you know, probably my biggest problem with the Lantern books right now is just a. They just feel. The, they're the least like visually you know stimulating or innovative of yeah. any of the DC books you know Which is so crazy because it could be anything yeah exactly and so I think you know that's I when I look at the lantern books I have this like terrible struggle inside me where I grade it on a separate scale because it's not as good as everything else, <laughs> but I like it. I like Green Lantern. Like Green Lantern is almost in every case when it comes to comics, I tend to follow the creative team. Yeah, except Green Lantern. Green Lantern is that exception. You know, that's the one that gets the buy for me. That's Spider-Man for me. Yeah. Yeah. So and, it's, and, like, and that's the original Teen Titans for me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not allowed to say Spider-Man on this podcast. I forgot. So no, edit, okay. edit, change that to uh, 
Booster Gold or something. Okay. Booster Gold. <laughs> Dan Jurgens. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, this. You're right. I mean, this is. There's a part of me that liked this because it's the closest. I think the Venditti Green Lantern has felt to the Jeff Johns Green Lantern, and that that's not a good reason to like something. <laughs> but I. That, though. That's... But I liked it. You know. I'm just ready for something else. Me too. Me too. So much. Like, one of my biggest disappointments, you know, when watching the, the Rebirth live stream that happened was, was when, when, they got out? Land, when they got to the Lantern books. And I was like, what? <laughs> see, oh. like you, were, you were hoping Tom King had a second book at that point. I, I, yeah. oh. And now maybe we're hoping he <laughs> has... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I mean, honestly, get any, get like Jeff Parker, Tom King, Jonathan Hickman, <laughs> Brian Salvatore, anybody. Brian Salvatore. There's, there's, there's lots. Of, there's lots of good options here. Um, yeah. So I hate how much time we spent talking about Green Lantern when there are like actual, there are like really exciting books to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we can wrap this up, but. Can I tell you what I want from a Green Lantern book? Sure. I want a this is this sounds so dumb, but it's what I want and I, I just have this like perfect vision for it. DC, please hire me. <laughs> I want a multi uh lantern core book. So like a team of like five or six lanterns. I want it drawn in a very like stylized maybe approaching like manga or something cartoony style uh-huh. and i want it to essentially be a colorful uh like magical girl show you know like oh, girl anime, only it's green lantern it's the lanterns i want, not all, not I all want girls. one page devoted to each of the characters transforming Yep, yep exactly no, yeah, like, like it, well no they should at least get like two pages so you can get like all of you have to have like at least you know four or five panels per page, so they can and do all their spins. Frank Cho can do as many panty shots as he wants. If he... <laughs> oh, I'm with you on this. But no, this is Baseball. a book. Like, this book should Quantum be... Leap. This book should the be... Simpsons seasons of... two through nine. <laughs> one, put one in there, you heathen. Hey, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. This book should be visually striking and and you know innovative and gosh, I just don't get it. And you liked the book way more than we did. Yeah. Because uh, it's like I I don't know. Yeah. So here's here's my last point on this and then we should really move on to something else. Yeah. Uh, but when I was like a little kid, the Green Lantern Core book was one of the first comics I really enjoyed. But then, since then, about every five or six years, the Green Lantern books have undergone these major transformations. We had Green Lantern Mosaic back in the day, that was the John Stewart led book. Then we had Kyle Rayner take over the book for a while. Then we had Kyle and John working together. Kyle healed John's paralysis. Then we had Rebirth, and we had... Not Rebirth. Yeah, Green Lantern Rebirth, not DC Universe. 
and we had all these different books, and then there was Blackest Night, and we're due for that next big, like that like that that next mutation of the of the characters and the property, and I feel like nobody has an idea for what that next mutation is, and so all we're doing is going back over the same boring territory over and over again. Yeah, it's really like maybe this is like a thing that only happens to me, but it's like when you find a restaurant that you really like and it's so good and you get the best thing on the menu and then you eat it once a month for six years and the quality of the restaurant kind of declined as, you know, they've had to like fire some of their best workers. Now they've got the teenage kids coming in. They're not making it. And you still eat it because it's your favorite. I don't know where this is going, but uh, I, I, but I understand it. It's just like that's what it is. It's like because this uh, it is a phenomenon that has occurred in my lifetime. I don't eat the same thing. Well, I guess I I might eat it at a restaurant once a month, but you know, like it's just with time, everything deteriorates. You know, and you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again, which is what the lantern books have been doing since like 2005, six. I don't know. I guess probably since like Sinestro Core war, that was like the peak, I think. And then, yeah, but, I, but I would say that at least blackest night and brightest day tried something new. Even if you didn't like it that much, it was something, it was an attempt at something new. No. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it would be better to say like blackest night was the peak. Yeah. Because then after that, it really was just kind of like, this spinning color wheel uh, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. The land books need ironically, like of all the books at DC, like the lantern books need the rebirth the worst and the it's green lantern rebirth is the most benign, you know? Yeah. So I, I am pulping this, but I have a feeling Zach's going to pirate it. I am going to pirate it. Vince, I'm 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 pulping it, pulping it hard. I mean, the the only the 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 uh, wacky race land was worse this week, but <laughs> but that was it. This would be my bottom rung book of the week. You I, like I got to it. You thought Action Comics was better than this? Um, yeah, I did. We'll, we'll get we'll get to we'll that. get there. We'll get there. That's yeah. okay. I pulped a book Vince like so are you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to Nightwing Rebirth, written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by Yannick Paquette. And um Yeah. This is uh this is definitely different than Green Lantern Rebirth. Would it would it be too bold to say that this is the best rebirth book so far? The best rebirth issue? Like yeah, the best rebirth issue. Yeah, I because think so. I think it was. Yeah, I don't know like, if I can disagree with that. Like, it, it, it does the thing that Grayson did, where it tells this like meta story about Dick Grayson's status in the world and like why he's coming back to being Nightwing, while also telling an actual like a plot story. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it it was 
Well, for one, like, yeah, it felt like a, a, a meaty story. Like, it, a lot happens in the issue. You get a really good, it's a really good bridge point from Grayson to, to Nightwing. Um, I love how Seelie wrapped up so many threads. Um, I was really, you know, thankful and surprised to see Midnighter show up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, dug all of the stuff with, with Dick and, and Damien and, and the references back to their, their time together as Batman and Robin. Um, the art was fantastic. The, the hooks were great. Like, I'm really excited to see where this, this series is going to go. Um, I loved how they kind of just like unceremoniously got rid of, uh, Lincoln March. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which was, you know, and honestly, like, I know we've talked at length about the Court of Owls and the, their place and, you know, use or overuse. But I thought this was a an interesting use of the Court of Owls. And I like the idea of the Court of Owls as kind of, kind of like Dick's, um, kind of like Dick's adversary, just because, you know, Bruce has his his own huge rogues gallery. And I think that the court makes a really good foil for Dick. Um, especially considering, you know, now that, you know, in the new 52, his, his history with them. So, so yeah, I just, I really like this issue and, um, it was better than Batman. So (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Nicely done. Yes. Brian, what did you think of it? Uh, you know, I liked it a lot. I did. But, you know, I'm. this is, you know, I, Zach mentioned before how Green Lantern is the character that he'll follow through everything. Whereas me, it's like Wally, Dick, um, Boy Harper, those are the characters. So I, I, I'm a sucker for a Nightwing book from Jump Street. And I think that this issue did so much to tie up loose threads to dangle a few that can be pulled again if need be. It gave a lot of nice Dick and Damien moments, and I loved Dick and Damien together. I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, so seeing that was great. And just, you know, I mean, you can't go wrong with Paquette's art. I really like this issue. I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to say it's the best rebirth issue so far, only because I don't want to be forgetting something I really loved. Well, that's, is there anything? I'm trying to think. Like, I, I mean, I I tried to think back before we recorded this because I I knew that was what I felt, but I couldn't remember anything that I had liked better. This would be in my top five issues that DC has released since Rebirth, and so. I, I don't think any of the actual rebirth issues are in that top five, so I'm. I think, yeah, I think I can easily say that. Putting in my hand every comic DC has released since Rebirth, I liked it either as much or more as the Flash Rebirth. It was certainly better than Batman and Green Arrow and Green Lanterns, and I liked it probably about as much as Superman Rebirth. Um. Better than Wonder Woman Rebirth, better than Aquaman Rebirth, better than Titans Rebirth. 
better than Justice League Rebirth. That, I guess that means it's the best Rebirth issue, yeah. <laughs> You're on point with that one, Zach. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, like, this just... It... Like, I, I just think dick grayson is like the heart of the dc universe and and really the and especially the bat family you know even more than batman and so like this felt like this felt like the central point of the batman like line to me because it just hit all these great these great points so i don't know observation what's that i feel like this does a better job than the Bat Family team book as showing the Bat Family. Well, we, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, well, it's a different it's a different section of the Bat Family. Yeah. Like there were there are a lot of characters that um were that were in this that aren't in Detective and vice versa. But just the to me, this felt more like the bat family i guess i can see that vince you've been a little bit quiet about this issue what do you think oh i i loved it uh yeah i think i think it was i can easily say it was my um my favorite of the rebirth issues it didn't fall into any of the traps that the the rebirth issues fell into even though it accomplished a lot of the same things like this is how this is how you get people caught up on how on everything that has been going down, and this is how you get him back into a classic suit or a classic status quo, you know. Um, and it was funny. I mean, it was everything that it was everything that Grayson has been for a couple of years now, and um, I think Tim Seeley's a tremendous asset. I think he should be writing more books <laughs> over there. And the, I think the fact that he put the names of two incredible fake video games into this, which was Apocalypse Nah <laughs> and Cheese Viking. Oh yeah, he's he's great at that stuff. I'm I haven't sat down to try to figure this out, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to figure out who these initials are on the high scores because I'm sure there's F N N F M C M E, yeah. T- like those are... TK number eighteen. That's totally Tom King. That's Tom King. Yep, yep. So like that, the, there's got to be some Easter eggs in there, you know. Yeah. I just haven't thought of them. But then all the all the Dick and Damien stuff, like he his <laughs> his dialogue for Damien was very strange, but like in a really endearing way. Like like you know he speaks. Damien Wayne's dialogue. He's always got the most dialogue in like most of these panels, right? You know? Or he's like using the longest words or whatever. You know, he's he's saying things in a really like roundabout way. He's um, a weird dude. Yeah, exactly, and that really comes through here. And his relationship with Dick comes through, and that was my like golden age of Batman when it was him and Damien tooling around. Oh my god, that's I'm just such a mark for that, and. So I I'm head over heels for this, and then Yannick Paquette's art, like he's pretty uniformly good for me. I think I I thought his style was a little different in this, um, like 
Like I don't know I don't know if he's trying something different, but I don't think it looked like straight up Morrison era Paquette to me until Batman showed up in the cowl and then he's got the huge chin. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's that's Paquette right there. Um but I thought he did a, a really good job, really nice nice work. Yeah, I'm uh I'm pulling this all day. I'm pulling it. Yeah. All right, a circle pull from us. Big old DC3 circle pull. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to Action Comics number 959, written by Jan Jurgens. Sorry, Dan Jurgens. Illustrated by Tyler Kirkham. (laughs) This continues the story that we've seen in the book. We're somehow, I believe now, three issues into a Superman Doomsday fight. Yeah. Um, what are you saying? I'm saying that there's a lot in this book that I enjoy. And I like that. Like, So, Multiversity co-editor Mike Romeo is in love with this book. I don't know if he's read this issue yet, but he's in love with action as a, as a book. Because what he said was that superhero comics should be the biggest, craziest things you read all week. And like, I don't disagree with that. And I like that there's a lot of ideas being thrown against the wall here and to see what sticks. My problem is that this feels downright Bendisian in terms of its decompression. That there's no reason we should be this many issues into this Superman Doomsday fight with nothing happening, really. Yeah. Um, I felt that a little bit. Um... But I'm kind of God. I mean, I don't. I don't think that this was a great issue or anything. Um, but I, I kind of like like all the periphery stuff. You know, there's this big fight going on, but there's all this little periphery stuff, like Luthor helping people. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I like that like, stuff certainly. Yeah, that, and then like the stuff with Lois and Jimmy, or like. Uh, the pre-52 Superman family, you know, pops in every once in a while. And I just, I, I, I guess the, the A plot of this book fighting doomsday is of little interest to me. Um, but everything on the periphery, all the B stuff makes me feel like, kind of like what Mike Romeo said except like I don't know how crazy it all is but it feels like they're jamming so much of the Metropolis world into this one comic that yeah frankly it's not moving very fast but they're they're jamming all this stuff in you're getting Luthor you're getting the Daily Planet a little bit you're getting the family like I like that we're getting this all in one book and they're not really neglecting anything in my mind. Like, I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. It's like a, it's like a five to a six, you know, but like out of a hundred, <laughs> fuck you. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I don't dislike this book that much. So uh, one thing I will say though, um, don't forget that Mike Romeo praised, um, justice league international <laughs> that is true. The new on this very he, show. He's a, he's a secret jergens more <laughs> he's he is. he is a secret jergens it's uh, not so secret guys we just outed him 
Uh, Mike, if you didn't want us to out you, um, yeah, we're sorry. sorry. <laughs> to be fair, we are allies of Jurgen's Marks. Oh, so no. <laughs> I, I'm arguably a Jurgen's Mark yeah. in a in a in a roundabout way. I'm Jurgen's curious. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think all three of us safely identify as Jurgen's curious. Yeah. Um, oh God. Uh, <laughs> what have we become? Zach, you you seem to be down on this issue. Though. Tell oh us no, why. I took a jab at it. I I didn't have any real problems with this issue. I really like um the the bits with Lois and John. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought all of that was really solid. Um, because it really like builds on the weight of the original death of Superman, which on the surface is something that you know doesn't doesn't have a lot of weight to it until you get down to like the it's like the funeral for a friend you know which i thought was one of the strongest parts of of the whole death of superman thing um just like dealing with the emotional fallout and so it's like getting it's building on that which is honestly like you know for the longest one of my biggest complaints about the new 52 was the lack of that historical context right and so i really like that um then you get bits like when Luther's suit is messed up and he pulls out his mother box and he's like, Oh, thank goodness. I have this mother box, which gives me the power of the gods and my suit is fixed. You know, <laughs> just like that really typical exposition. Um, but I that, love that he fixed his suit with a mother box. Oh no, I do love that. I just yeah, didn't I, I like, agree. Had to tell us that he was doing it, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like the doomsday fight is dragging on a little, the mystery of this Clark Kent is dragging on. Although I did, I did think that this issue kind of made that a little bit more interesting in like implying that a Superman had told this Clark Kent to go into hiding. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't dislike this book. Um, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's as strong as Superman, but no one's as strong as Superman. No. Zach, he's a superhero. Right, you're right. Well, she can't be beaten. Yeah. He's on. He's so unrelatable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I thought this was a fine issue, and I, I I didn't even mind. I'm usually not a huge fan of Tyler Kirkham, um, but I thought his art here was was pretty pretty serviceable. Yeah, he, he's he's no patch searcher, but he yeah. um, but he he did all right. Um, I don't know. Do either of you guys read this in print or both read it digitally? Digitally. So every issue this week has a uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman fighting Doomsday Snickers. I like I, four page thing. I saw that. And yeah. It, when it, <laughs> so I'm like flipping through the issue, and I'm like, wait, Batman's in this issue? What the hell? And then like, oh no, there's a Snickers. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, like- I, I I'm still firmly pirating this book. Mm-hmm. I want to be pulling it. I want to love it more than I do, but it's certainly better. I would say this is maybe the best time for the super books as a whole since New Krypton. Yeah, definitely. So I'm pretty happy with it. Same. I'm. I'm also in the pirate camp. Yeah, square, squarely in the pirate. 
Okay, that brings us to Detective Comics number 936, written by James Tynan IV, illustrated by our pal Alvaro Martinez. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, this kind of continues the same thing we've seen lately from Detective Comics. Yeah, um, it really does. It's, uh, it's, you know, guys, <laughs> it really is the same thing. Like, it's, it's, it's all these great ingredients, um, that just aren't yet making a satisfying read for me. Am I, I mean, am I nuts here? Like, I feel like I'm nuts because everybody's, I feel like the word on the street on detective is so positive. It's, yeah. It's getting some high praise in out in the internets. And, uh, I, I mean, it's a fine book. Yeah, it's fine. And like Martinez does a really good job on this issue. He does. Um, that intro, that opening page is some, is some good comics. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't, this issue, I actually really liked this issue, um, because it does that thing that I like about in Batman books where they get away from Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I always like that, and I, I don't know why. Um, I just really <laughs> don't like Batman. <laughs> no, I do like Batman, but I always just love when he kind of gets sidelined and the rest of the Bat characters get to do something. Right. Um, and and we're getting that. And I don't know. We had talked a little bit about this use of Batwoman, um, and this issue kind of doubled down on like her as a as a soldier, as a military woman. What did you guys think about that? I, I think that paid off pretty nicely, actually, with uh, an exception that I'm going to talk about later. Um, I don't uh, want to mention it right now. But... Okay, I, I think it's fine. I um, my problems with Batwoman in this book don't have to do necessarily with her military thing right now. I understand why people have an issue with that, but to me, that is not an issue that is really presenting itself just yet. I understand why hypothetically that bothers you. I don't think in practice it's really bothered me yet. What does bother you? Okay. This is more an issue with James Tynan as a writer than it is with Batwoman as a character, but I'm sick of her only being explained to us through other people talking about her and not even like talking about her to other people. People just blatantly stating to her who she is like Renee Montoya shows up here. And if you had told me like Brian's going to shit on Renee Montoya showing up at detective comics, I'd be like, no, of course not. That's great. But the only reason she's here is to tell us about, about Batwoman in the least elegant way she can do it. Well, isn't that kind of like the 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 like point of this issue a little bit? That like that they're kind of building that up as like a character element about her. But there's so many more elegant ways to do it. Yeah. See, to, okay. So, so here's the thing. To me, to me, this reads, and this is you know, I, there's no no way I can say this, this is going to be kind of in, insulting to Tynan. I don't mean to do that, but. To me, this sounds like somebody else scripted, not scripted, plotted this book 
and gave it to like a first year college student and said, like, here, make this comic. Where like there's no subtlety in anyone's dialogue. There's no um like there are some cool ideas, but I feel like the execution of almost all the ideas are less cool than the ideas themselves. And um I want to love this book. And I'm enjoying it fine. I'm enjoying it the way I'm enjoying action, which is to say that it's pretty good, but I know it can be so much better. And that's my big problem with it right now. Yeah, yeah. I I, I got to echo what Brian said. It's a, The dialogue is really problematic to me. It's like any time... Like for, first of all, I agree with like... Yeah, Renee Montoya is there to just be like, yeah, you're you you are the type of person that does this, you know. You it, like anytime someone's talking to Batwoman, they're always like, you are the type of person that wants people to make the decision for her, blah blah blah, or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And that can be shown pretty easily, right? Sure. Which which I thought that they almost did with the military stuff. Yes. Except that then, like to drive that point home, then again, they've got her dad being like, well, you were, the, you know, this way or whatever, you know, and, and it's the same with like, even, even when, when they're like Batwoman, why, or what are we going to do about this? You know? And then she's like, well, Batman didn't want to tell you. And she, this, it's this wall of text that explains like, you know, it, it's just, it's just so overwrought the way that it's written, you know? He wa- he wanted to have you ready for when they ca- when the when the worst came, you know. Well, the worst has happened, and we need to survive. But you know, it's just like it's so it everything is so overwrought, and that extends to the characters describing one another too. Like they're they're basically psychoanalyzing each other, <laughs> right? In a moment where action is needed. Yeah, you know, and and. Like, those are the moments that are so dry that, like, this book should be, like, vibrant and fun and, like, full of Bat Family nonsense. And at times it is. Like, when they get into Clayface and escape. Yeah, that's the best. What an amazing moment. Like, that, that is, I mean, if, if, if Tynan came up with that, he's a genius, you know? But, like, you just got to tighten up that monologuing. You know, I just can't stand here and read walls of text. Uh, just so overtly expository, you know, um, more of like climbing into the clay room or getting into Clayface's belly, and, or <laughs> or rolling <laughs> around with Clayface. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> or Steph Brown showing up and saying, "Is that Batman losing?" Like, right, yeah, yeah. Like that moment is so pithy and good, you know. It's Even the so- way that t- when when Tim and Batwoman stop talking to each other in monologue and start like making a plan. Yeah. Even that stuff's good. I just they don't need to be This is why I think more comics need to start and media rests where like it's the middle of the story. They I wish we picked up like 6 months into their training. So uh-huh. they so they'd be over this like not trusting, not just not fully comfortable stage yet and they just be a well-oiled team cuz that's way more interesting to me. I thought the the cast scenes were great because there were you know very little dialogue right just yeah. the art you know that 
I, I thought the the like perspective and the you know the the layouts of those those panels were really good. I really liked all of the all of the cast stuff. Oh, I agree. She's I think, she's awesome. I think those were incredible uh, pages, and I think this is probably the best one-two punch of art. Uh, Wonder Woman might match it for me because I'm I'm big on both. Uh, Nicholas Scott and Liam Sharp, but mm-hmm. this is one hell of a one-two punch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this book can get there, but I don't think it's there yet. Yeah, well, and I think we're gonna say I, I, the problem is, is also, I think we're gonna say that most weeks, you know? Yeah, or most months. That that number of tranquilizers would kill someone. I don't. <laughs> I don't care. It's just a sedative. <laughs> Thirty doses of a sedative. Can kill you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm jotting that down. Uh, so um, I, I'm still, I'm still pirating this for almost the exact same reasons. I'm still pirating action. You know, action's I'm better yeah. than action, but it is, but yeah. it's not. Be- it's not good enough to pull. I'm so close to pulling it though. Like, yeah. You know, it's just almost there. Like I just want to, re- I'm so I'm reaching out. I want to pull it. I, I'm, it's, it's like right there. Do either of you guys watch Portlandia or have you watched yes, it? Yeah. You know the skit where they're in the library and trying to get like a book off the top shelf and just not <laughs> lifting yes. yeah. lifting his arm high enough. That's what I feel like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's so close. It's tantalizingly close. <laughs> Um. Alright, well that brings us to The Flash, number two Written by Josh Williamson Illustrated by uh, Carmony, we found out when Josh was on Yeah Carmony, DG Domenico Um, That's close enough for government work Um, Zach, you want to take us home with this one? Yeah, I really like this book It was a lot of fun Um, You know, it's just It's just the Flash getting to do Flash things with Flash people. <laughs> I can't argue with any of that. Um, yeah, I just think, like, I think this has been consistently probably, like, the like the most consistent quality among the, um, the Rebirth books. I'd put Superman a tick higher. Yeah, yeah. One well, no, among, yeah, this and Superman, um just in terms of consistency and it's just been so long since we've had like a fun flash book. Um, yeah, I have, you know, nothing but praise for this book. It's fun. And like, it takes a very serious, very potentially sad event and just gives it so much hope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I, I don't know who I was saying it to. I was saying that I feel like the name of August Hart is like a little on the nose for somebody. Like it's, it's basically calling it's basically like Dick Tracy's Test True Heart, but like you know just August Hart. Um, but I I'm starting to like that character a lot. I think the character has a lot of potential to it, and I love seeing Barry back as the teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh God, do I love seeing Barry back as the teacher? Yeah, I do too. It, it it's so great, and like 
just tying it back to, you know, his relationship with old Wally. Um, and, and I like the stuff that they're doing with the speed force. I like that, that August isn't, um, what's the, what's the villain's name? Oh, I know who you mean. Um, Godspeed. Uh, Godspeed. At, at least, you know, I guess maybe we. He, he could become travel. that. But... He could become that, but I don't think he is. I think that's somebody else. I, I hope that's the case because I, you know, I'm just a little bit tired of like the, you know, best friend or you know, someone gets introduced and they're a good person and then they get powers and they turn evil. Right. You know, I'm a little tired of that. I like the idea of I just the part where he's like I'm the Flash's partner. I'm like, man, yeah. this is great. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um, I yeah, I've got nothing but praise for this book too. Really, um, the only thing I will say, and I don't, I don't mind one bit, but like Brian, you said earlier that. Uh, Action Comics is like Bendis decompression, you know? Yeah. This book's pretty decompressed, too. Okay, I, I, I was thinking the same thing. I knew you were going to throw that in my face. <laughs> um, but How's my ass taste? <laughs> <laughs> like cheese. <laughs> uh, um, that's a Packers joke someplace. Um, I don't know how, but it is. Uh, w- what I will say is that well, okay, so this is the third issue of the. If we're counting the rebirth issue, it's like a zero issue. Mm-hmm. The first issue was essentially recapping what happened in DC Universe and giving Barry and Wally a little bit more time. But if you think about what's happened in the first two issues here, it's introduced an entire new character that by the end of this issue, you feel confident wanting him to be Barry's partner. Mm-hmm. Like that, maybe a lot of physical action didn't happen. But to me, there's a lot of emotional beats that were hit very effectively because in almost any other book, at the end of a second issue with a character, you're not totally sold on them yet. Right. And, well, and you think about, like, this issue ended with the the creation of all these other speedsters. And I think about, like, if the story had been any more compressed, you would have had to, like, if that had been the end of the, the number one issue, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would have, developed august as well um so yeah i can see why you would would th- see view this as decompressed vents and i don't technically like really disagree with you i think it'll be interesting to see like how the story moves from this point because i think like the end of this issue is really like the catalyst point for the rest of the arc sure and didn't josh tell us was it issue three or five he was like is the real I want to say he said, I thought thought it was four. four. Okay, so it's four then. So we're two away. So, so I don't know. So, yeah, I don't, I don't mean, I mean, decompression, decompressed comics can be effective as well, you know? And I think that this is a case of that where, um, but what I hate is like Hal Jordan, the Hal Jordan issue where they, Oh, yeah. Keep bringing fun- it back to Hal Jordan. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm just, but they, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but they wasted five pages in that comic on stuff that had nothing to do with anything. Like, like, literally just images of rocks and light, you know, and like 
some and, and two, two pages to get out the the oath and then you know it's like two pages of how just like lifting his arm so his pregnant armpit can breathe yeah, like you know there's just right just no need for that exactly like that's decompression at its worst and this is decompression at its best where like it's basically one thing happens in this issue for the you know you you get like a brief scene with uh Wally West Wally, and, yeah. and with uh Iris talking to the cops where like one thing is accomplished in each of those scenes but, but then each the rest of those of... scenes do give you a nice indicator as to who these versions of those characters are though They do they do but then the rest of the issue is literally just like his meeting August and their first like encounter with him trying to be a, a hero and it's spread out over the entire issue but there's so much visually interesting that's going on and there's a lot of character work being done as the action happens that's the difference like don't give me pages where nothing is accomplished with the characters but it's all action you know right this this is action all the way through and tons of character work like the flash is a comic where it should be a no-brainer to have them talking to one another as if it were normal as they're running at close to light speed or whatever yep. you know like to, to to me this is like as far as as far as like structure is concerned it's such an expertly structured comic so far yeah, I agree. I don't mean to knock it at all. I'm just saying, like, let's keep in mind, like, the opening arc, too, is, like, what, nine or, like, ten or I 11? Think I think issues. it's eight issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's not, it's not crammed with with the plot moving forward, but there's so much interesting that's going on within the action. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really loving it. Yeah, I agree. I, I I'm pulling this book. Me too. All right, we're on to our last issue of the week, Wonder Woman number two, illustrated by Nicola Scott. The first issue that she is handling of the series, written by uh, Greg Rucka. We get a nice little Wonder Woman seventy five logo in the corner there. I enjoyed yeah. that logo on the corner of the cover quite a bit. Uh, this is the first of the year one arc. So we've got to get parallel stories here of Steve Trevor and Diana. I think it had some nice character moments for both. I think Nicola Scott is one of the best. And so I I love watching her illustrate comics. And so I'm very happy just visually with this book. I think it also added a couple of interesting little wrinkles to both Steve and Diana's story. And um, I enjoyed this quite a bit more than I enjoyed issue number one last week. Yeah, um, I uh, I feel the same way. Um, I I enjoyed the the first issue of the Liam Sharp um, side of things. Me but too, but I enjoyed this, this more. Just, yeah, this is just so like God, this is the Wonder Woman. I mean, it, I mean, it is retelling the origin of one. I I wasn't sure whether you know they were calling it Wonder Woman Year One. I wasn't sure if it would literally try to recreate the first issues of Wonder Woman or if it would tell like a, a parallel story that's maybe less clunky 
because uh, the Wonder Woman origin has been so clunked up over the years. Um, and I guess I'm surprised that like the first issue ends with the plane crashing that's got Steve Trevor on it. And then it says uh, in Wonder Woman number four, the contest begins. I don't know if you remember the contest from Wonder Woman's origin that like allowed her to leave right, yeah. the island. It's just like arena battle where she has to catch an arrow or some shit. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm surprised they're going that literally right. uh, through this, but I like it and I love Nicholas Scott's art. Oh my god, the I I I feel like I feel like comic reviewers default a lot to like characters' facial reactions as a judgment to whether the art was good or not. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing anyone knows how to talk about, you know? Yeah. But I feel like her like her, the stuff that she does with the facial work in her comics is she's the best in the biz at it. Like you always know what every character's feeling. There's always layers to what they're feeling. I think like it's, it's really subtle and and good. And it made for a really enjoyable intro into this, like essentially starting over at square one with wonder woman again. Yeah. Yeah, so I think out of all of us, I've up to this point been the least enthused about Wonder Woman in Rebirth. Um, but I love this issue. Um, I thought it was, uh, I mean, Nicola Scott. You know, you guys have already heaped praise on her. Um, she she's wonderful here. The, the page about midway through the book where Diana comes across the tree and the snake mm-hmm. is just like, oh, it's so pretty to look at. Just that, oh, I love that page. Um, yeah. I, so it's kind of weird. Did either of you read Wonder Woman Earth 1? Yes. Uh, no. Okay. It's weird to read this so soon after that (laughs) because it retreads a lot of the same ground in fact it's almost like it's you know it's two two visions of the same thing and there's a lot of retread so i i am kind of curious like how i would have viewed that if i hadn't read that so recently but it's still very good um and I you know moving forward I'm I'm at this point like way more invested in in this half of the story than the present day arc. Yeah. Um what did you guys think was um it was, it was first of all there's one part of this issue that's making a lot of waves. Are you guys aware of what that part is? I I can't I think imagine. I know what you're going to say but go ahead and say it. The implication that Diana was perhaps in a same-sex relationship. Okay, I thought that's what you're gonna say, but that's one of the things that was like. While this was like subtly alluded to, it was like explicitly like shown in Wonder Woman Earth One. Okay. I so, mean, to me, it just makes sense. Like she's uh-huh. on an island where it's all women, yeah, and you can't expect people to turn off their sexuality, right? So right. I feel like people were going to adapt in that way. But what I liked about this was there was nothing sensational about it. Mm-hmm. everything seemed to be there for a purpose and it was a nice subtle character beat 
and wasn't uh it it could be handled improperly. Who who wrote Earth One? Grant Morrison. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, a little little guy named Grant Morrison. For some reason I was drawing a blank on who wrote it. I feel like Morrison is a lot of things, but he's not always subtle. Well, it wasn't like handled distastefully either. It was just like it showed her like in a relationship with someone. Yeah. If I recall correctly. Isn't that right? Is that right, Vince? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it, it yeah, go ahead, Zach. Sorry. No, what well, you go ahead. I was gonna say it's really interesting to think about, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't remember whether Rucka was supposed to be the Earth One writer and they took it from him to give it to Grant Morrison, or if he just sort of expected that that would happen or he was pitching for it and they ended up giving it to Grant or whatever. But that was a big catalyst for why he, or, I mean, he almost came back to DC earlier and then it didn't happen or something like that, or... Or he was going to do Earth-1, but then they wouldn't take Berganza off as editor or something like that. So it's interesting that I I think we're basically getting what he would have written for Earth-1 here. Right. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that it does parallel so closely to Grant Morrison's Earth-1. Uh, I think that's... I think we always talk about, like, someone's going to write the story about what was going on behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this would be one of the most interesting chapters, if not so, the most. So Rucka did tell... Um, he... I, I can't... It was via DC Women Kicking Ass. Um, he, he said that he and J.H. Williams were originally going to do Wonder Woman Earth 1. Oh. I'm kind of I'm kind of happier with him and Nicholas Scott though. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty close, but that would be. But are you Gabagool? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I do think. Yeah, you're probably right. This is probably him doing what he would have. This is probably his Earth One. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah, I can't imagine why anyone would find that controversial um some people are mad <sighs> people are always mad though it's just that's the it's the state yeah things i'm gonna bite my tongue here <laughs> uh see here's the thing right i think that ultimately the liam sharp story story can get more interesting than this story like there's there's just there's only so much that an origin story can do when you have fifty when you have seventy five years of other stories, you know what I mean? Like it's just no matter how revelatory it is, it can't be as revelatory as something new, at least not for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Liam Sharp, those the odd issues have a chance to be really interesting. And if they can do that and keep the quality that we're seeing here, then this is gonna be the slam dunk book we all thought it was gonna be. But I think without that story getting a little bit more interesting, it's going to be a, still a very good book, but maybe not the like Hall of Fame book we were thinking about. Yeah, I, I think I think it's awfully close. I do. I think it's well, I holy shit. Okay. <laughs> what? No, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it whether you're talking about the Liam Sharp issues or these issues. And uh, I just think this is what I think. I think in the state of comics today, even the best writers have trouble doing their first issues. You know, doing number one issues. Um, I I feel the beginnings of a really really good story here. I really do. It doesn't like come charging out of the gates the way that like the Flash did or Superman did, you know. But that's also but, not Rucka style, mm-hmm. right? Rucka always. I feel this way about every everybody. Okay, everybody constantly praises Rucka for like how great everything he does is, you know. <laughs> Like, he's basically untouchable. And I feel that same way, too. But every time I read one of his books, it takes me, like, two or three or four issues to lock in and get on his wavelength and be like, I see what he's doing here. It's never a a cannon blast out of the gates, you know, ever. So I'm totally willing to go along with this. So you're pulling it, I'm pulling it. Zach, what are you doing? I'm pulling it. This might be the most contentious episode we've had in a long time. <laughs> Even though I don't think we, we really disagree all that much. I just it's, think... Yeah, it's, it's degrees of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're, we're just... We're, you know, we're nice to one another. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I did hate that Hal Jordan book, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to call uh, Zach like wrong for liking it, you know, to his face, um, <laughs> you know, and I, just like, just like, I'm not going to say that about uh new Superman as well. Cause even though I think you guys are both crazy, but you know, it's <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just three uh, tight bros that we are. I just go, I just go write in my journal after this. About <laughs> how, how wrong I think all of you are. I have, uh, I've I got, have... I've got years of just, <laughs> And see, I have a very passive-aggressive Zanga account that, uh, that I take this all out on. Zach is writing, uh, Vince keeps texting Durgans to me <laughs> on, on Mitomo. Why? <laughs> oh, I love it. Don't but, stop the Durgans. <laughs> well, we hope that you guys love it, too. Thanks for listening. Again, go to multiversitycomics.com, check it out, all the good stuff that's there. You can also follow us three knuckleheads on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I'm at SirFox89. And we're back at it next week. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah.